Hi there, my name is Paddy Butler, and this podcast is brought to you from Liberia, a bookshop by Second Home. Today's guest won major plaudits for his 2009 novel, Let the Great World Spin, winning the National Book Award in the US. He's also been nominated for an Oscar and was awarded the prestigious Chevalier Arts Prize in France. But today I caught up with Colin McCann to discuss his extraordinary new book, A Paragon, which I think will become a beacon for those trying to make some sense of these complex, confusing times. We discussed the author's odyssey-like journey down the line from a New York City on shutdown. Colin McCann, thanks so much for for coming on to the Libria podcast. Um, Your new work, A Paragon, a new novel, Absolutely fantastic stuff. Really enjoyed it. Um, Thank you. Tell us, tell us how it came about. So it started about five years ago. I'm um, the co-founder of a, a non-profit um, story exchange uh, uh, group called Narrative Four. Mm. Uh, basically, we bring um, young people together from different parts of the world and um, they exchange stories uh, with one another. So mm. I went with a group um, to Palestine, a um, group of artists, activists. Um, amongst them were um, my co-founder. Uh, Lisa Consiglio, mm. uh, the bass guitarist from Maroon 5, Mickey Madden, mm. um, this incredible um, peace leader by the name of Greg Tello, Greg Greg Khalil, who runs a group called Telos, mm. um, and a number of other activists. And we basically we went around uh, Israel and Palestine on this um, a sort of a fact finding tour or a texture finding tour or a heart finding tour. I don't know how to really describe it, but it was pretty um, incredible. We, we met people from Breaking the Silence. We met people from, uh, you know, who were security experts in, in, in Israel from all different facets of life. Um, we, 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 we traveled around and it was an extraordinary trip and really, uh, you know, it opened my eyes. Um, and I was looking for a novel uh, at that stage. I just didn't know what, what it was going to be. Mm. And um, what happened, what Paddy was like, two days from the end of this trip, mm-hmm. uh, I went into a little town called Beit Jala, which is on the outskirts of um, Jerusalem and Bethlehem. And it was about four o'clock in the afternoon. It was a cold November afternoon, um, a little bit rainy, and, and sort of got out of the van. I was a bit exhausted, mm-hmm. and, and and I didn't know exactly where we we're going, except we were going to talk with some 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 group, um, and. And went up these rickety stairs into a room, and here, here sat these two men. And one introduced himself as Bassam Aramin, he was Palestinian, and mm. the other introduced himself as Rami Elhanan, um, an Israeli. And I sat at the table with them, and within about half an hour, um, it's a little bit, a little bit embarrassing to say so, um, but I was, I, I was an emotional wreck. Uh, I was in floods of tears mm. listen to the stories and the stories that they told with that of their daughters um abir uh who was 10 years old when she was shot in the back of the head with a rubber bullet fired from just a few meters away and uh, the story of smadar who was 13 years old almost 14 when she was um uh, blown up by a suicide bomber in the streets of jerusalem in the late 1990s Gosh. and these men sat there and when they as they told their stories I knew I was transported to a, a, a completely uh, different place, a different world, and I knew 
instantly that I was changed by the fact of just hearing these particular stories. Uh, I walked out of there um, and, uh, you know, I, I was shifted, but I didn't know how, yes. you know, I, I had been changed, you know. Um, I went back to New York where I live, I live in New York, um, and started casting around thinking about writing a, a, a novel. Yeah. And because, uh, you know, because I'm from Dublin and um, because I spent a lot of time um, in uh, Belfast and in Derry and I'd written about the the, the, the the troubles up north and I'd written about the peace process. Mm. I started thinking to myself, you know, maybe I'll write a novel about an Irish character who goes to the West Bank and, um, and you know, I sort of investigate my own experience in 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 in, in Palestine. Put, and put in yourself in there, almost, yeah. Exactly, exactly. And um, what happened was, I started writing that novel, and I hated it. Mm. It was awful. It was it was trite, and it was uh, it didn't it 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 didn't it it didn't grab me. It, it felt very, you know, the way when something feels really conscious, and you and and and, and it felt. Like I, 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 I know I was, I was following all the rules and, and, and yes. it was good, but it was, it had no, no heart, right. you know, no texture. And so I was chatting with my friend, um, Lisa, and I said to her, um, you know what, I'm going to give up on that, um, Israel Palestine novel. And she said, why? And I thought, you you know, and I said, well, I can't get it. I don't know. You know, I've been a few months and, and, and I just said, it's not there for me. And she said, well, what do you remember the most about the the, the, the trip that we all took together? Yeah. Said, well, Rami and Bassam, of course. I mean, it's natural. Like, I met these two incredible men. And she said, well, why the hell don't you write about them? Yeah. And I'm ooh, okay, you're right. Why the hell do I not write about them? And then I realized that I was getting into a project that would take me down uh, many different rabbit holes, uh, which it did uh, over the course of the next five years. So I've written this novel called A Paragon, which is uh, a word for a shape with a countably infinite number of sides. Right. So it was um, it was an incredible uh, journey, and it, yeah. Um, well, can we actually? Yeah, can we can we talk about that a little bit more? I I think we'll talk about Bassan and Rami. Definitely, of course, a little bit later, and of course, the the tragedy that they they went through, and how you've tackled that through this book. But I think for listeners, it's it it's a good thing actually to describe a little bit more about a paragon, the 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 what that means, and you know how you've ingeniously, if I may, applied that to 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 telling this story, because the structure of the novel is quite incre incredible. It's made up of I don't know five hundred you know, narrative paragraphs, which all lead into the center of the novel. And then it's it's, it's almost like they fan out again to produce the second half of the novel, which is also made up of counting downwards from 500, uh, these small paragraphs, some of them are aphoristic, but also compressed um, narratives in, in themselves. Uh, yeah. Can you can you can you discuss that structure and, and how that came into being? Because it's conceptually so rich. Well, here's the deal. I, I, I knew I wanted to write a novel about that area of the world. And, and, and I felt that um, that uh, I wanted to uh, do a couple of things. I wanted to acknowledge my own confusion. Because mm. once I started uh, going there, reading about it, 
And the the deeper I got into it, the more confused um, I got. Um, in fact, now, to be honest with you, five, six years later, I'm more confused probably than ever, uh, even though I know so much. Um, and um, I mean, maybe that's part of what one would hope to be intelligent by 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 recognizing how how little you actually do know. Yes. Um, so I, I knew I also wanted to disrupt uh, the reader. I wanted to knock people off balance. I wanted them not to know exactly what was going on. Mm. Um, and, you know, because there's all these comfortable narratives around um, around Israel and around Palestine, and people tend to stay in boxes. Uh, and they come indoors, they close the curtains, they put a GPS on their imagination, and they say, this is me, and this is what I know. And so I started t- trying to think of them, um, you know, ways in which to restructure the novel. And um, I wanted something that was full and coherent and yet also would feel shattered and confusing, certainly um, at times. And yet at the emotional heart of everything that was going on. I had one story to tell. That was the story of Rami and Bassam and how they lost their daughters and how they go around the world telling this story over and over and over again in order to put a crack in the wall and, uh, and 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 work for peace. That's essentially what the what 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 the story is about. But I also knew I wanted to tell your story, my story, and you know uh, stories of people in all over the world because we're all complicit in a way. Um, in in uh, in especially when we talk about um, Israel and, and, and Palestine. You have the meeting place of three continents. You have Europe, you have, uh, you have Africa, you have Asia. You have this meeting place of these major religions, birthplace of these major uh, religions, uh, which, you know, a large part of the world uh, belong to. And, and, and we're all sort of emotionally invested in it. So um, I wanted the book to feel like a compendium of human experience but also to be about a very small moment, or not a small moment, a, 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 a terrible uh, uh, story of grief, but also a story of hope at the same time. So it's my belief, I don't know how you think about this, Paddy, but that, 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 that literature, good literature, should be, should be tiny mm. and, and epic at the same time. Yes. And I think that's where it differs to history, because history is epic, right? And 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 it allows itself it, its big epic structure, and I like that, and I, and, I, and I, I admire historians and so on. But what literature can do is be epic and tell an epic story, but at the same time, it can get down into the dusty little corners of 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 human experience. So the little bits and pieces, for example, so um, not to get too detailed about it, but Smadar, mm. she girl who gets blown up in in in, in jerusalem so um uh, she liked sinead o'connor yes. right so i uh, started thinking about sinead o'connor so what's what song might sinead o'connor have uh, or, or, or what, what song might smadar have been listening to as she walked the streets of jerusalem seconds before she was blown up in 1997 well obviously she would have been wearing a walkman yeah. well maybe she was listening to nothing compares to you i don't know that for a fact yes and no historian knows that for a fact in fact nobody knows what she was listening to or if she was even listening to anything at all but i sort of make it up 
um, that she was listening to Sinead O'Connor. And then I started thinking about, well, that great song, Nothing Compares to You. Who wrote it? Well, Prince wrote it. And what happened when Prince wrote it? And, you know, all these different things and every story meeting another story and moving outwards in the world so that the world is very big. Yes. And then coming inwards and the world is very small as well. I have a a piece in there talking about the forensic examiner looking at the scorched tape and 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 and, and finding that it's stuck at a particular point in the song uh, nothing compares to you you know yes and uh, which is an extraordinary song and when Sinead O'Connor sings it I don't know did you see her um recently she was on the late late show uh, in in Ireland and she was wearing her hijab no. and she sang Oh my gosh, she sang "Nothing Compares to You," as she wore her hijab, and I just—I uh, I thought, man, I got—I got I to write a novel just about that in itself. So, 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 uh, you know, the job of the, the, the of literature is to be big and small mm. um, at the same time, and that's what what I tried to do with with with, with a paragon to get into the heads of Rami and Bassam, to get into the heads of Abir and Smadar. And get into that world of, you know, uh, uh, of the Middle East, but also get into your head yeah. and get into my head. And the secret of the novel, actually, I've not talked about this to anyone at all. The real secret of the novel it comes right in the center, as you said, because you, you talk about the structure. Uh, the secret of the novel is that you, the reader, are actually the narrator of the novel. I actually say it, um, uh, you and me, um, I acknowledge in section 1001, I say, you and me, we sit here mm. and we're complicit and we're silent and we're brooding and we're dark and, you know, and, and, and all these things. So um, the structure of the novel was such that um, when I was writing it, to be honest with you, I didn't know who the narrator was. And I was tearing my hair. I have no hair left anyway, but but but, but I was tearing the last of my hair out, trying to figure out as I was writing, who the hell is the narrator of this book yeah and then I thought is it me yeah no that's not good enough it can't be just me because like I, i'm you know i'm an irish i live in new york it's not that's not not good enough mm. is it um is it uh some other person that's living in the west bank uh oh no that's not good enough that's not big enough and then finally it hit me it's like well you know it's rami and basam telling the story to a group of people in a monastery but really they're telling the story to and this sound I hope this doesn't sound pretentious, but really they're telling the story to the world. Mm. And um, that's when I figured, oh, my God, it's not just me who's the narrator. It's the reader who's the friggin narrator, too. And then and then when, when I realized that, I, I figured I could go just about um, anywhere and try to make it a, a compendium um, that, and, and yet be tiny at the same time. But each, um, it, it, I mean, it is extraordinary, and I am I'm so impressed. Um, you know the 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 research that you must have done, and the you know to acquire a lot of the information as well on many many different levels. As you say, the the novel is maximalist in it, in its approach, in the sense that it it takes small narratives which circle around. Um, Bassan and Rami, and circle around Abir and Smadar. And it then, you know, it, it, it locks in or makes so many different connections and those connections just keep growing and growing and they can come back as well in the second part of the novel and they can refer back. So, you know, I think the 
it's extraordinary how you've done that. And but there is, um, I think I I read that you, uh, you know, you had uh, written about emergence and this whole idea of emergence, and this seems to kind of, you know, be expertly demonstrated in the in in, in all of these narrative features within the, within the uh, within the book. And ornithology, if I may, is a very pointed um, introduction by you because it's so important for for a lot of these narratives in very very strange ways. I think the, I think the frigate bird is is one of the most interesting and horrific at the same time because, uh, as I understand it, you know, uh, research has used it in relation to, you know, advanced. Uh, drone uh, theory technology. Could you just give us a little a bit of a sense of that and how that, how you came to that? Because I, you know, as I say, it's so incredible the range that you've gone for within this. Well, you know, um, I wish I could say that I was um, smart and 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 I sort of knew all this stuff in in advance. But you know, the secret of being a writer is that like. Um, really a lot of the time we don't actually know what it is that we're doing yeah uh, we're going on a, 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 a wing and a prayer uh, so to speak um so uh i was in Beit jala uh, and i met rami and basam and i went back to new york and i started to write this novel and i said to myself okay what is Beit jala anyway what's it mean mm. uh, and i go into uh, wikipedia and I, I, I Google Beit Jala. And then I see, well, Beit Jala has the only uh, bird ringing um, center in the whole of Palestine. There's now two, but um, at the time there was only one. And I was like, what the hell is bird ringing? I don't know anything about birds. Uh, what's bird ringing? Sounds very interesting uh, or sounds weird. Mm. Uh, and and what bird ringing is, bird banding, is you capture birds in these uh, mist nets um, on these on this Palestinian um, hillside, and you put little tiny silver um, uh, rings around their um, around their feet, and they get tagged, and then they get computerized, and they become part of a sort of uh, an international uh, consortium of, of of birds, and they get followed by, by by ornithologists, so we can track them and you know know the patterns of migration and all these sort of things. I thought, wow, how beautiful is that? Mm. Um, so I went to Palestine. Uh, I went to the the, 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 the the center I hung out with these bird uh, bird experts and, and watched them banding birds and um, then I started to think of all sorts of other things and while I was there they found a songbird and um, that had come they thought from Spain mm-hmm. um, and um, tiny little thing Patty no bigger no bigger than than your thumb right? And and um, it was it, it was extraordinary. And then I began to remember, gosh, I think I read somewhere that Francois Mitterrand's yeah. meal was a, a songbird, an ortolan. And um, sure enough, when I went back in to, to 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 research it, and I began to think, my God, all this stuff, yeah, it, it's connected. We're all connected. Somebody recently said, well, this is the coronavirus novel, <laughs> you oh. know. You know, everything you touch one thing yeah. and then it becomes, and and it goes all over the world, and 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 hopefully um, it's the benevolent uh, coronavirus novel. But it 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 does talk about how we touch each other, um, and but the most important thing for me was to get always to get back 
to the original story, the heartbreaking story um, that's at the center of this, you know, and 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 uh, so it, it's almost like a. I actually haven't even thought of it like this myself at, at, at all before, but it's almost like it's a breathing novel. It goes out yeah. and comes in. It goes out and it comes in, and there is a lot of stuff in there about lungs and 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 uh, things like that. Well, and, also, uh, if I may, um, for me, yeah. the, the there was a sculptural aspect to it pointedly because, you know, the 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 five hundred going into the center and the five hundred coming back out. You know, it it it, re- it reminded me, and maybe it was a subconscious thing that just came up because I was so immersed in it. Is of of. of a bird's wings you know and there is a sculptural yeah. element to it so you know i think i don't know whether that was intentional or not but it sure is there's it's definitely there there's no doubt about it you know well here's, here's the here's the beautiful thing um that probably wasn't intentional mm. uh, but i can make it intentional now <laughs> i can i can rob it from you um and 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 that that I do mean that in, in a lighthearted way, yeah. but he, I also mean it in a really serious yeah. way. Because here's what's incredibly important about writing and the art, act and, and art of writing is that other people make a book for you. Yeah. So I spent five years on this and, you know, it wrecked me, uh, uh, you know, a lot of the time. It really did. I can imagine. But yeah, because, yeah, you know, think about suicide bombings and rubber bullets and all these different things that were going on. And it was so difficult to do. But I hate writers talking about, like, because it's difficult to be a cop, it's difficult to be a carpenter, it's different, difficult to do a podcast. You know, it's like, you know, I, I don't uh, uh, think that writers have some sort of monopoly on on on, on difficulty. Yeah. Um, but the, the the thing for me was to to you know to to be as involved um, as I as, as I possibly could uh, with that particular world, and um, you know, and and to begin to see all these different uh, things. Uh, meeting one another and then I, I suppose I became a semi-expert on you know on on birds because I read so many books about bird patterns and migrations and then how scientists study the pattern of yeah. uh, like frigate birds for to 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 to, to um, you know to make drones and, and and all all of this incredible sort of stuff and the world is so big and diverse but it's all also very neatly tied together, which is why I think the word a paragon works, because, you know, if you have a shape with a countably infinite number of sides, it means it's a shape, yeah. but you can land on a finite point yeah. in within that shape, but it's also infinite um, at the same time. Now, um, my, my U.S. publishers uh, in particular were uh, <laughs> a little wary of me calling um, a book First of all, they're wary about me writing a book about Israel and Palestine. Yeah. And uh, secondly, they're wary about uh, me calling it um, a paragon. But they they supported me. And I have to say, Bloomsbury supported me. Bloomsbury in in Ireland and England supported me uh, right from the get-go. But it was a very risky um, adventure. But I like taking risks. Um, And, and, you know, I think one of my favorite quotes comes from um, Kurt Vonnegut. He says, we should be continually jumping off of cliffs and developing our wings on the way down. There you go. Well, you, you, I mean, you've done it with this. There's no doubt about it. Just to go back to that emergence thing. I mean, w- tell me this. There, there is. A, I'm just quoting from the book now. As, as if those different things of which they are comprised can somehow recognize one another. I mean, that for me, that's kind of that's a that, that's an interpretation of what emergence might be, isn't it? And also 
just to in the book in general, you know, there is this constant play between the scientific and, and what we, you know, the, the natural world, should we say. And I suppose the most extreme form, again, is to do with, you know, this kind of drone design and, you know, making drones and looking at bird flight and that sort of thing. There is that there's that constant uh, tension, isn't there, between nature right. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of there's 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 a lot of things in there that are like um, about structure, about as you rightly say about architecture, about sculpture, mm. uh, about mathematics. And you know, I don't know if I have that sort of mind. You know, if I have a, a, a mathematical mind, I certainly wasn't very good. You know, at maths when I was in, in school in Dublin, uh, but. Um, but but now I'm interested in design. I'm interested in, um, uh, you know, uh, the structure of things. There's a, there's a story in there about the um, the minbar of Saladin, and I keep uh, in my head thinking of it as the minibar of Saladin, which I, I, I shouldn't do. <clears throat> a minbar is a, is a pulpit, um, okay. and. The minbar of Saladin, which is in the Al-Aqsa Mosque in Jer Jerusalem, mm -hmm. um, is made of 16,000 interlocking wooden pieces, beautifully carved mm -hmm. by um, by these um, experts from, um, from all over the world. But this pulpit stands, uh, I think it's, I don't know, 12 meters tall or something like that, okay. uh, without a, a single piece of glue. Without a single nail in it, and I wanted to write a novel that you know didn't show its glue and didn't show its nails, and have like you know all a thousand and one interlocking parts to make it stand like a pulpit, and the pulpit happens to be you know the story of these these extraordinary uh, human beings who, despite all the, the the terrible things that have happened to them, um, you know. Uh, they go on. And this is a novel. I mean, Patty, it's about Belfast as well. I mean, you yeah. have these sort of people in Belfast, you know, you have these people in Liverpool, you have these people in, in Berlin, you have, you know, the, the, we're, we're extraordinary human beings, we're extraordinarily resilient. And, and some people, you know, manage to use their power of their grief for good things, because in the end, you know, um, it sounds like a heavy book and all that stuff. But in the end, the message is pr pretty simple. Yeah. What, what they say is we need to know each other above ground, because if we don't know each other above ground, we're going to know each other six feet below ground and we'll be there an awful long time. Well, these guys. Uh, yeah. Sorry to interrupt. These guys. I mean, Bassam and Rami, they are extraordinary figures. I mean, we should we should discuss them in relation to this a little bit more, because I mean that they are obviously key and essential to this um, to to the whole idea behind the book and the message behind the book. I mean, these guys are from, you know, either side of the conflict and it's extraordinary their resilience. And, and maybe, you know, it is a I'm sure it is them trying to, you know, deal with the huge grief, the the unimaginable grief that they went through. But can, yeah, can we talk about them a little bit more? Because you seem to be have I mean, you must have been in contact with them for such a long period to make this work properly. Yeah, I mean, so when I met them, as I said, they blew my heart wide open. Mm. And then I uh, I went back and I sat down with them and said, listen, uh, I want to write a novel uh, about you guys. And they're like, yeah, yeah, fine, yeah. Um, 
And I said, no, 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 I, 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 I really want to explain this to you. I'm not just writing an article and I'm not just writing a, a book. Mm. I want to write a novel, a fictionalized account. And they're incredible. You know, you know uh, Rami's now 70, uh, Bassam's in, in, in his mid-50s. Rami lives in Jerusalem. Mm. Uh, Bassam is living in Jericho. And they were like, come into my life. Uh, Rami took me uh, around on his motorbike. He's 70 years old and he drives a, a 750cc <laughs> Yamaha. He's a, <laughs> and he drives it fast, believe me. Um, and uh, I, I went in the car with Bassam. I stayed in their houses. I met their wives. I met their children. I met their grandchildren. Um, I walked with them in the hills. I, you know, uh, went to, 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 to dinner with them. <clears throat> Excuse me. I uh, I interviewed them endlessly and, and I got things out of them that they'd never even told their own uh you know their own families mm. uh so some of the things about Bassam was in prison for instance yeah i thought you know? that was quite extraordinary i mean that's quite um de- you know devastating and emotionally you know i just don't know how he survived that at all with the beatings and everything it's just horrific he was yeah he was commander of the Fatah unit in 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 in, in prison he was 17 years old um, and they were regularly um, uh, beaten, uh, uh, you know, taken down to the canteen, ordered to strip, strip naked, uh, and then, um, you know, they would have uh, not not the prison guards, but um, they would have uh, soldiers come in and uh, practice uh, upon them. And um, you know, Bassam now says, you know, I have no time to hate those who hate me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it, it's a pretty extraordinary thing that happened to him in prison because while he was there, he was watching um, Israeli TV uh, in his cell. And one night um, a documentary came on uh, about the Holocaust. Mm-hmm. And, and and he said, I almost rubbed my hands in glee. I wanted to see, you know, all these mm-hmm. these Jews die. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see them, you know, fall over again and again and again. Again. And then as he was watching it, something happened to him. Something happened to his heart. Something happened to his head. Something happened to his soul. And and and, and he was knocked completely off balance. So that when he got out of prison, he decided to start a group called Combatants for Peace, which brought people who had fought on either side of the conflict or either lots of there are lots of different sides uh, together. Uh, Palestinian fighters, Israeli soldiers, whatever, whatever way you choose to, to to use the language here. And he brought them together to work for peace. Mm. Amazing. Right? He'd been seven years in prison and um and 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 so there was this group that 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 did this extraordinary act, which is, um, you know, a very controversial thing to do in in Israel and in Palestine. Two years after he founded Combatants for Peace, his ten-year-old daughter gets a rubber bullet in the back of the head. Who can actually, you know, who could actually fictionalize a story like this? A man goes to prison. Mm. He watches a documentary. He got, starts a, a peace organization. After he starts the peace organization, his daughter dies. Then he goes to Bradford in England and studies the Holocaust in order to understand, you know, the the, the whole texture uh, of this story. And now he travels around the world with his best friend, who is an Israeli, whose son was actually part of Combatants for Peace. And they talk about what happened to them. And they talk about what happened to them because they believe that they can change the nature of the conflict 
if they get people to listen and to know one another. It's incredible. Um, things are moving now. Obviously, I, now I, I'm not going to comment on, you know, the, the situation there at present. But I mean, in terms of uh, people's attitude towards it outside of um, the conflict zone, I think things are shifting. Would you would you would you say that, or do you think that things are shifting? I mean, I I've no doubt these guys have gotten through to individuals. I mean, people. Mm. People are naturally inclined, aren't they, to to listen, no matter how hard of heart they are. They, you know, if they have an ounce of intelligence, which a lot of people do, I believe, right? They are, they are going to listen, aren't they? And it's going to be a slow process, of course. But I think, I think you're putting your finger on something enormously important. Um, I think that these are really, really, really dark times, mm. uh, and what's going on in, in in over there? You you have. Uh, you know, uh, political parties that are slightly right to the till of the hun, you know, um, uh, you know, in power, do, doing all these awful things. And, and there are awful things happening in, in numerous different frontiers, whether it be, you know, in Gaza or in Egypt or in Israel or in the West Bank. I, I'm not there to, 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 to interpret the politics of what's going on. Mm. What I do believe is what you're saying is that with the force of stories and with the force of storytelling and with the way that we can actually touch uh, a, a, a human uh, uh, angle, um, there are changes that are afoot. Certainly, um, you know, I, I, I recognize it uh, traveling around the United States before when yes. before all, all the coronavirus stuff, when you could travel around, people were talking in new and profound ways um, about what was going on, people opening up. And I do think that, that there will, even though we're in incredibly dark times, mm. there will be a swell that will come from underneath. I don't know uh, who's going to say it or, or, or how we're going to recognize it, but it will happen at some particular stage. And it will be uh, an extraordinary thing. Uh, walls fall. Um, we know that. Listen, did, would did you uh, like? Would, would would you have um, anticipated the peace process in, in Northern no, Ireland? No, no. It's it. I mean, I grew up with it as you know, as you yeah. did, and you know, I never thought it would become a reality to to the extent that it has. So yeah, I mean, and then the the Berlin Wall when that fell in eighty nine. You know, that's uh, that's that that's because like, you know, I remember my mum turning around to me and saying, you know, I never thought this would day would come. I never thought that wall would fall. So, you know, I think, yeah, I just it's our job, it's our job to 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 um, to be cynical enough mm. to recognize the truth that it's what's happening over there is really bad right now and you know with the occupation with the you know with with with, with the things that are happening to to to, to people rami talks about the occupation rami the israeli mm. talks about the occupation what it does to the israeli soul and uh, you know the, these sort of things it's dark it's really dark but he believes that he has to have the force of his own opti optimism that dovetails in with his uh, with his cynicism, and um, eventually something will happen. Because it, it, it's no great revelation for any of us to say it's dark. That's no, yeah. no, no big deal. Of course it's dark. Yeah. It's dark just about everywhere. Yeah. Um, the, 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 the real revelation comes in saying it's dark, let's do something about it. Well, yeah, I uh, guess it's... it's 
I think it's I think it's it's dark, but people have power in in you know in, in during the dark times to come together, and that maybe that's it. Maybe it's a reset. You know, I, I think you know a lot of people are talking about that in relation to the coronavirus now. Is that you know this right. is if if there's something good that's going to come out of this, hopefully it's going to be some sort of a reset as to you know our hyper capitalism and you know the way we treat the planet and maybe this is the first warning shots from you know direct very clear warning shots from the natural world again you know which is kind of brilliant you know which i thought is so almost is almost prescient of you in the in the novel where you you are you do have those parallels and they are distinct from me you know where there's humans adopting nature for their own means but you know that 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 tension you know that that problem there that's in your novel but that's also something we're experiencing now in 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 our in our current situation that's right and and, and i mean two the, the the central forces in in the novel are well one we already talked about birds and in the second half of the novel i talk a lot about water and these are things that 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 that, that they don't recognize borders these are natural things that they do not recognize the human border between, you know, Israel, Palestine. They don't recognize, uh, you know, the, the air above is free of, of of all that. And these two dominant forces, I mean, you have earth, fire, wind, mm. uh, uh, wind and, and, and water. They're, all those elements are in the novel. But um, there's a certain freedom um, that, that, that's there, but it's also men trying to manipulate it uh, and i say men in particular because you know um uh, when you, even when you think about the forces for peace generally tend to be uh, t- tend to be women when you think about northern ireland mm. where did the peace process come from it was coalitions and women getting together and saying enough but but men uh, controlling the water resources uh you know and men trying to to to, to shoot birds uh, out of the air men putting things in place uh to try and stop the forces of nature mm. but it, the great lie is that we have controlled nature can controlled nature we haven't controlled it at all no. as you say just look at the look at the coronavirus look at the way nature says hold on a second mm. okay you're not going to clean up your planet you're not going to do you you're not going to you know my, my lungs are are full of, of air right now, right now or, or full of smog excuse me let me just deliver this uh, coronavirus and, and 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 see how you look at yourselves see how you look at your earth and you know paddy i hope you're right uh, that there is a reset button uh, that somehow uh, we're hitting in relation to looking at, at one another and looking after one another but i did see um photographs of um of beijing for instance uh, pre-coronavirus and post-coronavirus and uh, you know one was full of smog and the other one is uh you know startlingly clear yeah uh, and there are messages in, in in all of this sort of stuff um that we we have to le- we have to learn how to listen to them Absolutely. um and there are there are small messages then too and and i would say that these two men, Rami and Bassam, deliver one of the most important uh, messages in small ways. You know, they were supposed to be uh, traveling with me. And uh, just a, a couple of nights ago, I was supposed to be in, in Dublin. Before that, I was supposed to be in Liverpool. I was supposed to be in London. Yeah. And Rami and Bassam were going to be traveling with me. The character, quote unquote, from my novel, were going to be traveling with me. But I hope to God, like later this year or early next year, 
they'll get a chance to 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 come across because people out there they need to um this, they need to listen to them this you know? yeah this story their story i mean you're telling their story but it that would be so beautiful for if you, if they're able to travel with you on 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 that tour and you know please hopefully when it happens that you know that you come to london because i'll be there for sure no doubt about it but there's also there's also you know when you talk about small kind of the Oz now i know it wasn't small this was a major thing but the as you mentioned in the book the oslo accords which for whatever reason um you know it just completely collapsed and it's a, it was a short-lived incredible agreement um, but amidst the celebrations, I, I think you, you talk about Bassan witnessing um, Palestinian boys handing out olive branches to Israeli soldiers. I mean, that's something that we should, everybody should see. Extraordinary. Um, you know, when I went to, 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 to the West Bank, can I tell you that, like, you know, we have this idea, you know, of a monolithic idea of what the Palestinian, you know, happens to be. And then you get there and you realize how deeply incredibly textured uh, this whole place and, and, and all my preconceptions, my ridiculous uh, preconceptions were, were, were blown asunder. And in terms of, uh, you know, if you had a Forbes list for imaginative capital, um, uh, I think, and you 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 would find uh, Palestinians uh, towards the very very top of, of that list. The, the 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 incredible sort of decency that I, I was met with, and the friendliness. And people say, "Oh, you've got to come to my house, so you know, let's break break bread together." You know, can I show you this? And and um, it was just sort of spectacular and i have to say the same thing happened um in in in, in israel mm. and you know, incredible uh sort of like reaching out to say you know come into my house come into my life and yet what was heartbreaking what's heartbreaking for rami and basam is that they are the exception yeah. uh, they know each other and they know each other's families very well but they are the exception and 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 really what they want is to sort of say, hold on a second here, you know what? Come, uh, uh, come into my house, uh, and of course they're 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 not allowed to to do that. You have checkpoints, and you have people who are walled off in a, in 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 basically. When we talk about Gaza, I mean it's it's not a cliche to say um, it's a a, a giant uh, outdoor prison. Yeah, uh, and but people don't know each other, and that's. Uh, on 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 all sides, yeah. um, I'm very wary about saying both sides because there's so much more texture than yeah. just two sides. Um, but um, if 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 we can somehow through podcasts, through novels, through art, through schools, teachers, that's why I think um, you know this this this, this narrative fourth um, that 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 I am um, involved with. We, we we get young people around the world to step into one another's shoes and tell one another stories. We've done it in Birmingham. Um, moving into to, 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 to schools in London we're moving into schools in Newcastle and around we're in Limerick um, and actually our global headquarters are in Limerick we're all across the United States and the way this works I'll just give you a little example right now we're doing a program between kids from rural Kentucky mm-hmm. and kids from uh, urban South Bronx now these 
these young people, teenagers, are about as far removed from one another as you and I might possibly believe. And one uh, one group is, you know, uh, supposedly red, like Trump country, you know. Uh, the other group is supposedly blue, Democrats, you know. Right. One group are primarily white and Cher- and or Cherokee. The other group is, you know, African American and or immigrant. Um, and uh, you know, they seem so different from one another. Yeah. Guess what? When you pull them together, guess what happens? Yeah, they're they're they they are absolutely that they're creating links. You know, within within minutes. Within minutes, and the, the you know how the links occur? Not through facts and 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 and, and figures and 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 internet. It's through stories, through human pulsing stories that are alive. You know, until they get a chance. To, to 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 dwell in each other's shoes they they're still wary of one another yeah. so they, so for example you have a, a a young lady fatima who wears a hijab she lives in the south bronx right mm-hmm. she comes from a strictly observant uh, muslim family but guess what she also goes around with her her airpods in her ears listening to to to, to rap music and things like that <laughs> she is a boy from kentucky so, who's Know, is, a, is a hunter and, and does, does all these things and, and 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 that boy has to listen to her story and she has to listen to his story and the boy gets up afterwards and says hi my name is Fatma and I uh, you know I live in the South Bronx and you know and she gets up and she says hi my name is Will and my grandfather has a hunting rifle whatever and somehow mm-hmm. in the, 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 the gathering of that other person's story this there is an explosion of what we call radical empathy. Um, and in this explosion comes about a sort of new form of understanding, a new form of grace, a new form of of, of saying, Jesus Christ, we're not all that different from one another. Yeah. We can take one of my favorite poets, uh, Walt Whitman, uh, do I contradict myself? Very well, then I contradict myself. Mm. We are, I am large. I contain multitudes. Mm. One of the problems we have, I mean, here, I'm on my high horse now. I'm sorry about that. No, go, one of the go for it. <laughs> we have right now is that we're not containing multitudes. We are not acknowledging the multitudinous aspects of our character. Mm. So when, you know, somebody says, well, this novel is uh, anti-Israeli, uh, or they say it's anti-Palestinian. I've had both things uh, happen to me. They're not acknowledging the um, the, the multitudinous aspect of wh- where the wh- where where I personally want uh, the work to go. The work is kind of confusing in a way, and I want it to be confusing because guess what? I'm fucking confused. Excuse me. I'm sorry if you have to bleep that out. No, but let's keep it in. I'm confused, man. I really am. Uh, I'm confused with what with, with what's happening in the United States, and 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 the, the the phrase that we're so afraid of these days is "I don't know," yeah. and and I, I want to say it over and over and over again. I don't know. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm confused by all this stuff. And guess what? I'm confused by you. Can you explain yourself to me? You know, you who sitting there in Newcastle or, where, or wherever it happens to be. Can I just listen to you for a few minutes? Can I try and understand you? Can I be open enough to to realize, oh, you contain multitudes um, as well. See, we're not as thick. I don't think we're as thick as our politicians and our, our, our corporations uh, want us to be. And it is the job of the artist 
to say we're not fucking thick. That's right. We are, we're, 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 we're messy and we're, we're horrible sometimes. But, um, you know, maybe, maybe we can make this, this world a slightly better place what? by scuffing it up a bit, by, by getting in there and kicking, kicking down some of the, you know, the inspirational and heartbreaking stories there and Colm really tells it how it is the book is you know quite astonishing and I think you can hear that from the interview so do check it out that's it for this time keep safe